Why can't I hear? I can hear myself now. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome back to the Trimark. Happy hour. Some yacht rock to get you started on this lovely weekend. Man, it's the weekend right before Wild West Hacking Fest, too. I am super stoked. My name is Danny Akatsky, uh, the artist formerly known as the Khaki on Twitter. And now I have another account until they catch me on that one, too. We, I'm joined by <laughs> Brandon Colley, uh, unceremoniously dumped. We could talk about that later. Um, the cool part, Paul, I don't know if you knew this or not. By the way, welcome to the show, Paul Asadorian, hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, so excited. Um, yeah, I got, uh, we were doing, we were doing happy hour uh, a couple weeks ago, and we had our guest, uh, Justin from uh, Trusted Sec, and um, you could see, I have the video, you could see it live of me realizing I was banned from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it just said you don't you are well it said you are uh uh like on a timeout like on a permanent timeout or some shit uh but anyway i now have another account that is quite a bit less than what i had before but that's okay we persevere here on the show uh brandon is with me and i would like to have a huge welcome and i'm not gonna i'm not i've learned how not to fanboy because i've actually talked to paul in real life now like that has tempered a little bit but i still am a huge admirer uh, of this man, Paul Asadorian. He is, um, uh, he is the, uh, the brainchild, the architect between the enterprise that has become security weekly. Uh, I started listening to Paul, uh, back when it was just paul.com. And, uh, I had posted earlier on Twitter about this, that when I just got into the industry, one of my first security gigs ever was this third shift sock gig in Philly. And I had to drive to a train station uh, and then take the train into, uh, 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 was it 30th street? Yeah. It might've been 30th street. Um, and the whole way there, I would always listen to paul.com. That's how I got to, and I can't God is I thought the only time one of the, and Paul, I've told Paul this too. They used to talk about, uh, Huawei all the time like breached and backdoored and this, and it's a mess. It's a dumpster. It was quite a few years later until I realized they were an actual company. I thought they were just like an APT group. The way that I heard the way that I heard Paul and, and Larry and Jack talk about it. That's awesome. Well, yeah. It's good to be here guys. Thanks oh, for dude. Me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, uh, so by the way, before we get started, we kind of work backwards from here. I'm already, you know, given some of your pedigree and all this, but Paul is, and if you looked at the starting screen as we had it coming up here, Paul is a finalist for Security Weekly for a Lifetime Achievement Award, and I'm going to put the link in the chat in just a couple of seconds. Um, how long have you been at this, Paul? Like, how long have you been doing yeah. the broadcasting thing? Uh, 18 years. Good God. Yeah. Yeah, we started in 2005. Um what yeah so you you were in it about you you started it what made you so i didn't even get into security until about five years after that so you were well into that um what made you like what was around at that time when it because i remember even when i started listening to paul.com there was like you know there was like i think there was southern fry security was around and a couple of other shows i don't remember a whole lot was there a whole lot in the way of shows like yours at that time uh yeah martin mckay had like the network security podcast um of course there was the the twit one security now 
uh, was big back then uh, and still going today. Uh, so they, I actually, I think they predate us. Um, and a few others came like after we got started. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, pod fading, people coming and going kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there wasn't very many. Uh, back then, people didn't know what a podcast was. I had to explain it all the time. Like, even people that worked in tech were like, what's a podcast? Uh, now I feel like we've reached uh, a mainstream media kind of uh, platform with podcasting, which is, I mean, kind of a double-edged sword, right? Now the problem is there's so many podcasts. So many. <laughs> there's, there's. I mean, I've had, like, I think I'm on my fourth by the by this point. Um of like luckily thank uh thankfully to sean metcalf uh he lets us do this thing when i first started here i was like hey we should really do a podcast he's like yeah do whatever you want to do i don't actually think sean listens to the show because i'm yeah. to- no i know he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh shut up bill nobody else in the chat this is the other downside paul like I, I now with like the advent of like twitch and the interact i like twitch because of like the audience interaction Right. But yeah. then my audience also tries to screw with me saying, oh, we can't hear you. And it's just one dude saying, oh, I can't hear you. I know you can hear me, Bill, because Matt hasn't said anything. And like, that's the downside. What kind of do you got? Did you start with like, no. When did the feedback start for you when you did your show? Like, did you start doing it and go, somebody might care, somebody might not? Did you see a hole that you were trying to like, like there's yeah. a gap here that we're trying to do or just like, ah, oh, what the hell? We're going to do this. Yeah, I mean, I, my kind of now uh, infamous story of creating the podcast was I presented uh, every month at a security meetup at the university that I worked for at the time. And so all the different, like, heads of all the different departments, uh, the techno- you know, technology representatives from all the different schools in the university would attend. And I would, it's interesting, it was kind of similar to some elements of the show today, right? I looked at the security news, what was happening, and I kind of broke it down. I looked at what I was seeing personally on the network, what attacks were happening, uh, and I would cover some of that, uh, and just general security stuff. And then that ended for whatever political reasons, and I was like, ah, some of my coworker whose uh, nickname's Duck Sauce. I'm like, dude, like I, I like I feel like there's a void. He's like, you should do a podcast. I'm like, what's a podcast? Uh, and so I bought a first generation Apple iPod from one of my other coworkers, uh, used, and I put podcasts on it. And I was like, oh, those are podcasts. I listened to a lot of the Twit stuff. Leo Laporte. I was a big fan from you know back in the ZDNet days, uh, and whatever show he had like way back in the day. Um, so I started listening, and I was like, oh yeah, we can do a podcast. And we were going to a Sands event. Um, ironically enough, the Sands event we were supposed to go to was supposed to be in New Orleans and Hurricane Katrina happened and so they moved it to Los Angeles. So episode one is actually recorded in a restaurant at the top of the hotel we were staying at that spun around. We weren't in the spinny part, but the restaurant was spinning around while we recorded uh, the podcast. So that's how we got to start. And then, you know, to get feedback, Danny, it's an interesting question. I think we had an IRC channel pretty early on. I know people would send us email, and it was IRC, like back in the early days. And we would actually stream. It's funny. I was actually just talking with Larry or, and some of the other co-hosts about streaming. I'm like, you know, we've been streaming for a really long time. Like, even when we had audio-only stuff, we would put up some kind of uh, streaming thing. Icecast? I think it was Icecast mm-hmm. like yeah. back in the day. And just give people a URL in the uh, IRC channel. Um, so we had, we had that like back in the day, um, which was fun. It was great. 
and we still live stream, you know, today. What do you, what, what were some of the things that you, did you go into it with any expectations of like how it was going to go or how you were going to set up? Like if you could, this is usually a question I would get to later, but I would love to know it now of, you know, whatever this is, how, how many years is that? 2005 to now? What is that? Almost 20 years. I'm going to round up because my brain sure. doesn't do that on a Friday, almost 20 years. What would, what would you go back and tell young Paul and young Larry, by the way, who actually started like, who was your original crew on Paul.com? Oh, so it was myself, Larry, uh, Twitchy, um, and the other, some of the early members were like the Mason, uh, Joe Conlon. Like, it was, it was a very different, Larry's been with me from the beginning, yeah. um, which has been an amazing uh, journey in friendship. Larry and I were just hacking on stuff in the studio last week, so, you know, that continues. But the those were some of the early people. Twitchy was hilarious. Um, I haven't caught up with him in, in a few years, but uh, he's awesome. Who was the, so, there was a woman, uh, Al, Al, was Allison. Allison? Yeah. Allison. One Allison's of my all-time favorites. She's awesome. Yeah, she was one of the. She lived, she lived in Rhode Island, and then she moved somewhere else, so. Sorry. She used to come live into the studio and just hang out with us. Yeah, she was, uh, she was a pretty regular uh, contributor when I was listening, and she was always absolutely one of my favorites. Larry. Funny enough, one of my favorite stories, and I, I forget even how it happened. Oh, on one of my old podcasts, we had uh, um, uh, um, Ed on SCOTUS, and yeah. he came on. It was right around Christmas time, and he was very gracious, and we were just talking about things. And I realized that he lives pretty close to me, like in yeah. in Jersey, from from where I am yeah. to where I lived, very close. And I was completely taking the piss, and I said, "Oh man, I, you should have me over to your house." He goes, "Okay, when do you want to come over?" And I was yeah, like, no, he, <laughs> I was like, I, I knew that story. Knowing Ed as well as I do, I knew that story was going. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. So, then, like, it was like a week after Christmas, and I, I went, I went to his house, and who else is there but Larry? Uh, and they were messing with some like, uh, uh, it was either like hue lighting or something, but they were doing a bunch yeah. of automation because you, I mean, you've probably seen Ed's office space, right, in his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and Larry was there, and like none of my shit was working, so I just got to sit there. This is quite a while ago, so I was still kind of like, I shouldn't be here. But I got to I just watch them mess with stuff. I got to see his uh, uh, World War II uh, code machine, the Enigma. Yeah. That's, that was a trip. Anything, right? And to this day, the best chocolate chip cookie that I ever had was from Ed's wife. She, I've heard that his wife makes like the best chocolate chip cookies. If you have yet to have them, them bro. That. You're not the first person to tell me this. It is. to the, I've, fa- I've not found any since before and i doubt i'll find any after that could quite measure up to ed's wife's chocolate chip cookies they were absolutely amazing um so when did it become like hey so were you still doing like a full-time gig as you were building the show yeah i did a full-time gig uh while i was building the show for quite some time so i worked for a university uh then i worked for like a university consortium uh, for about a year, I was an independent pen tester for a little while, and then I got a job at Tenable Network Security for a while, and then I think in 2015-ish is when I left Tenable to do Security Weekly full-time. Was that... Around the time. When, where were you, just in like your personal day-to-day, where you're sitting there and going, I'm going to do this? Because that must have, like, was that scary for you, like to say, oh, yeah. here's Delete. a thing that I've built on... 
And now all of a sudden I'm going to just go make this leap. Like, was there a particular thing that you felt in your gut that said, now is the time to do this? And like, hey, what the hell? Well, I mean, revenue helps. So (laughs) (laughs) a big factor, you know, full transparency. Um, I didn't really want to leave Tenable either because I loved working at Tenable. Uh, And Ron and Jack and Renault were just amazing founders and just did an awesome job running the company. Um, so I was by no means unhappy at Tenable, um, and I had a, like a really cool gig at Tenable that I was testing stuff in a lab and reporting on it. It was awesome, but there was so, uh, you know, other than revenue, there was a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things happening at, at Security Weekly uh, that I knew I just I couldn't manage anymore uh, working full-time somewhere else. So, like, it wasn't fair to either my sure. day job or security weekly at that particular juncture. So uh, I needed to step out and I needed to lead a team. Right. Uh, so we had production people um, both on the technical side and the operation side that I had to go, go lead. Right. And I had to do sales, like the whole thing. So where do you remember where you were when you finally like made that, was it a gradual thing that just kind of started or did you sit somewhere one day and go, okay. Uh, it was kind of a gradual thing. You know, I definitely talked about it with my wife um, and said, like, I think now's the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we had talked about it probably leading up to that as like, you know, someday I might want to go do this full time. Right now it's still kind of a side gig. Um, so, you know, we made it work. What, what, do, you, what, what do you say to, to, and I'm sure you get, probably get, this is not an original question, but I, I want to know it. What do you say, I'm sure you get people that come up to you and say, Hey man, listen to you for a long time. Listen to the crew for a long time. I want to do a thing. Like how, how, how do you see it's different now? Like you had talked about earlier of like, now there's just so you can't, you can't throw a stick without hitting somebody with a microphone and, and, and headphones versus before where there was like not that many out there. Have you gotten people asking you for that advice? And if you do, what do you tell them? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I would never discourage people from taking on an initiative like that. Um, I think you got to find your niche, you got to find your audience, um, and just be consistent, right? Is really uh, so. I mean, definitely go create a podcast or a live stream or, or something like that. And, uh, you know, again, like find your niche uh, and your audience and don't worry about appealing to everyone, you know, appeal to your, your audience um, and develop content that appeals to, that your audience is going to like uh, and have at it. Yeah, that was by the way, Brandon. I am I am dominating this. So if you got questions, just jump right in, my friend. No, you're. This is this is your your show, man. I'll jump in eventually. But <laughs> see, I'm and that's the thing. Fun. That's the thing too, Paul. Because like you've you've always worked with like that cadre of people, right? Like you did. You didn't start it yeah. solo. You did it with people. Yeah, mine's always well, been. What's that? No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, dude, we started the show. I've said this somewhere else, and I don't remember where. It might have been in a keynote as well. Um, and you know, the lifetime achievement award is, I mean, I'm I'm just so honored, uh, and just humbled by it. Uh, it's amazing, but we started the show because we wanted to get together and drink and talk about security (laughs) with our buddies. But those really, the reason was not to get people interested in security. And many people over the years have said, Hey, I listen to your show. And I I got in security, um, because I listened to your show, right. was one of the driving factors. And I'm like, that's an amazing side effect. I'm like, the original goal was just for us to like drink and talk about security we had a lot of things that we needed to get off our chest and talk about with each other and we're like we might as well make a podcast out of it 
Uh, and that spirit, you know, still lives, especially in our news discussion uh, <laughs> on the show every week. So I just we got th- and we go long on that segment. I'm like, but we got things to say. Yeah. You know, 18 years later, and I'm still, you know, you'll hear us say, I'm stepping up on my soapbox or this really grinds my gear. So uh, it's somewhat therapeutic as well. Yeah. And that's always been my thing, too. Of I once I was ready to let go of like, oh, worried about like is who's gonna see it? What am I saying? Like, why is it gonna be? like? I would just go and do a thing. Like when I left that first one and started doing like my own one-off thing, which you mentioned consistency, which I do not have. I did it for a while. It's hard. It's super hard, man. I don't think a lot of people doesn't don't even realize that even when you're not playing at the level of a security weekly or or anything like that. Um, just coming up with things that, like, a lot of times I, I'll just go. Like, I'll have maybe a couple of bullet points. Like you just said, oh, this really grinds my gears. And then I'll just kind of go with that. But my niche has always been the involvement with other people. Like, I've always said consistently, like, I'm I'm just here to put the tent up and make it look nice. And if I could have other people. And yet, I love when I have guests and I love because I, I, everybody has a story, right? Like people love nothing more than talking about themselves. I'm not saying that in a very, in a derogatory way whatsoever. Oh, you know, people just love you ask them things and get them speaking. Like it's, the, and everybody's got a story and they've got a different perspective. Um, however, I I have never really liked having a podcast crew until I got to do this Trimark show. This yeah. is the first 20 years, you know, whatever it is now, like I'm in my 12th year or whatever, just been in the security industry. And probably like my eighth year of doing live shows, I've yet to find anybody I can tolerate besides yeah, Brandon. You know, it, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Over the years, a lot of hosts have come and gone, uh, and I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the hosts on the show. But mostly the host, like there's no, and we get crap for this sometimes, because like there's no interview process, there's no real formality. But if you hang out with us, we're hanging out together, like, you probably end up being, dude, come to the come to the podcast. Like, come hang out, right? Um, and do the show. Like, be a guest maybe first, and then I'm like, yeah, come back and, and hang out with us. So uh, that's pretty much how every single host uh, ends up on the show is we're just hanging out, man, right? Yeah. And I want to hang out on the on the podcast. So Yeah, and it's, like, not – I think people put a lot of, like, uh, a lot of, like, pressure on themselves – to you know, we always say like we there was we actually just changed terminology here at Trimark too. Like we were, initially we first said like oh be your best self, and then one we were talking amongst the whole company one time we're like not nah, like let's change that to be your authentic self because like best is a is a high bar for fucking anybody, but that if you have that like authenticity and you have like this is who I am I have a thing to say it's making me happy to say it and I have my friends with me. Uh, let's just do a thing. And I, my only hope, my main goal, I, I don't know if you had, like, I, I mean, if you, did, if you didn't have like a grander goal or scheme, but the, I, I imagine actually, let me start here. Cause now I'm getting my parallel tracks running. Um, do, do, do you have like a, like a long-term, like, so, so my long, long-term goal with my pop, any content that I make or whatever is that it helps one person. Not that it outlives me, not that it that, that like it'll be there when I'm gone. I have a general picture of just one audience member. And as long as I hear one thing or I think I'm helping one person, I will keep doing that. When it gets hard to do these things, as I, I know it probably does for you, 
what kept you going? Like, did you ever think, all right, I'm done or I'm bored or I suck or I want to do something else? Did you get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm, I, I don't want to do this anymore, but then you kept going? Oh, yeah, several times. A very long-winded way of getting yeah. at that question, but I, I, I yeah. dug it out. <laughs> several times. Like, is it is it worth it? Um, you know, the time commitment, the investment, uh, the, the whole thing. You know, a lot of those things you kind of call into question along your journey, but... Um, I can't say there was maybe one thing that kept me going, uh, probably multiple things, some of them somewhat selfishly, certainly the notoriety that we've gained by doing, you know, the podcast, um, opens up a lot of doors for us. Right. So I'll start with the selfish reasons, right? I don't want to stop doing the show because I bring people on to interview and I connect with people. Right. And that keeps my network uh, in information security kind of alive and well and breathing. So um, there's certainly that. Um, not selfishly, put myself aside for a moment, if it's still helping people, right? Like one of the other driving factors to keep going was all those people that came up to me, even if it was for 30 seconds, and just say, hey, I love the show, keep doing what you're doing, um, that that keeps us going too, right? Because we're, we're helping people. We're like, yeah, I like this in the show, I learn stuff and I'm entertained, and that's the goal. So uh, those are the probably the two main reasons what kept us going over the past 18 years, even when things got hard, you know? So where is it now? So you have since di- you've since divested and, and now you have several, like I was even on one of, I forget which flavor of Security Weekly it was, but I think uh, doc- yeah. with, with Doug, Dr. Doug, is he, is he one of your hosts? Yeah. 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 I, I was on one time like two or three years ago and that was another huge yeah. thrill. Yeah, it Doug's awesome. Yeah, and Doug, again, like I don't always remember how people get involved because it's so natural, natural progression, right? Um, so yeah, Doug's one of our hosts, and I mean that all came about when I was able to to focus on it full time. I was like, we need a network of shows, right? We can't just have one show. Now I have some time to build a network of shows, and I said we're going to focus on different topics, and that's going to open up more sponsorship slots, essentially. Um, to, to help fund it, right? Because you create a new show, like there has to be a business plan around that particular show. So it has to generate revenue, but I'm like, also it has to generate some audience interest as well. And so uh, we decided to break it up in a certain way, which represents the network uh, today. But that was, you know, basically how I decided to grow. Um, it's not all like roses and fields uh, filled with beautiful flowers doing that either sure it's super hard to keep the content um relevant to that sub segment of the audience so like we've got enterprise security weekly and business security weekly and application security weekly um and it kind of it dilutes some things right because there are some folks that like have been doing it as long as i have and they've kept like a smaller subset of shows they've kept that one show um, which keeps all of your audience and all your sponsors around one show, but like breaking it up sometimes makes it really hard too for content planning and then for sponsors as well. Um, because now you've got more slots to fill. Right. right. Whereas before they're like, Hey, I want to sponsor security weekly. I'm like, great. You're coming on Paul security weekly. It's like the one show and we're off to the races. You know, now they got to spread across multiple shows. So did you get any pushback from sponsors doing that? Like people who invested in your original show and now you're spreading it out. Yeah, not so much pushback. I think a lot of the questions, especially early on, were, well, what's the difference between Enterprise Security Weekly and Business Security Weekly, right? So um, I, I'd say the, the one thing that helped us 
with that is doing audience surveys, uh, you know, asking your audience, like, hey, what do you like? What don't you like? Which shows do you listen to, listen to, and, like, who are you? Like, yeah. I don't even want your email. Like, are you, do you work in what industry and what kind of, like, level in security are you? Are you working a SOC? Are you a manager? Are you a CISO? Like, just give me that information anonymously. I don't want any of your personal details. Some people are like, well, the email is optional. I'm like, I don't want their email. That's not why. <laughs> I just want them to right. respond to the survey and say, like, I'm Joe whatever, and I work for in a financial, and I'm a manager level, and I listen to Enterprise Security Weekly, right, to help build that that profile. So we can go back to sponsors and be like, all right, this is, like, the audience who listens, and this is the programming for that show, and it's different. Do you feel like that's growing more intentionally like that? Do you feel like you've lost some of the the fun that you were talking about when you first started, where it was just a bunch of guys sitting around drinking and smoking cigars? And do you still feel like you have that spirit that you've been able to maintain the spirit, even though you're being so intentional with with your uh, categorization of things? Yeah, I think um, it's a great point, Brandon. It's hard to recreate that spirit on Paul Security Weekly on the other shows because we record Paul Security Weekly after 5 p.m. and we start drinking usually before oh now they were older we're trying to you know it's not it's not as easy to, <laughs> to consume <laughs> like we were before but we start drinking and we create this like really relaxed atmosphere you know then uh, the whole thing the other shows had to be programmed like during the day i'm like i can't be every night you know getting drunk recording a podcast like that's that doesn't scale um, so we had to find ways to keep, you know, those shows fun. You know, Adrian does like the squirrel story of the week. Um, you know, Doug is always just entertaining on the news. Like everyone's kind of got their, their shtick. Um, now I started all those shows as the primary host and I'm like, we need to find someone to primary host. Like I can't, I can't do it anymore. So, um, the folks that host the shows now are amazing. Uh, and I've handed the baton to them and they've been off to the races and are doing amazing work. Um, but it is, it is hard to you know, still have fun. The office environment was always fun. Um, certainly, you know, because everyone, I mean, everyone worked for me and I was like, we have a bar in the studio. We should like use it. Right. <laughs> like it's <laughs> a fun place to work because we have to do fun shows. So I tried to build that culture into the company. Uh, this is, this is a fun place to work. Like we're going to go to a conference. We're going to have fun. Um, and you know that's just part of the culture so well that's why we call this the happy hour despite the absolute vitriol that i throw it guess my 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 not my guest my guests are always treated very nicely to my co-hosts that like you would think that you guys even like each other did you have any problems mentally or just like as you started having to hand that stuff over to people or were you just like gladly like yes come you can host this thing or whatever um yeah you know, Dan, it's a good question because um, I had to hand the reins over to a lot of folks um, over the years. And I think that's been one of my philosophies and advice to people is to get good at that, right? Whether you're in a technical job, whether you're running a company or anywhere in between, you want to be able to do your job so well that you can train someone else to do it, right? There was someone early on in my career that instilled that wisdom on me and it stuck with me, thankfully. So... I did that it both in my career in information security and when it got time for the company, you know, down to the production team, I had to hand off production. I'm like, you are editing the audio now. Like, this is not me anymore. I have to hand off these tasks to other people. Um, so handing the baton to the host was natural. 
Um, and I think at that juncture, like I was kind of done doing the show, right? Like at a, a certain time I was like, I need to do something else. Like I have my show that I do every week, Paul security weekly. Um, but all the other shows, I was kind of like, it was always kind of in the back of my head that I would hand that baton off. Like I'm going to do this to get it started, get it going. Uh, and then I want to find someone else to, to take it over because I can't spend that much time hosting shows when I was running the company, I'm like, I got to do sales. I got to do, you know, technical stuff for my show uh, and I have to manage the team. So, uh, and uh, also passing the baton, I hired Matt Alderman as our CEO. So I'm like, I can't be, I, I can't be CEO and CTO and podcast host and managing production all at the same time. Like, I just can't wear that many hats. Um, and I didn't want to be the business guy. I wanted to be the more technical guy. Um, and so that gave me an opportunity to develop our software. Um, so we developed automation software for publishing podcasts called PP Works. Uh, and we developed like a really cool, low budget way to produce multiple shows uh, per week. It was like a, you could do a show every day uh, and streamline that, that process. So I, you know, I borrowed from my background in technology uh, and in Linux and Unix and programming uh, and applied that to the studio. Um, so we do, we don't do anything necessarily different in the studio. How we do it is kind of like with open source software, Python scripts and stuff like that. So the execution's different than most studios. So I really like what you said about that too. It's where you, it's more of a mindset going into it that you can't, you know, that you're not going to be able to do everything or that you're wanting to train someone to eventually take over. Because I feel like a lot of times that comes secondary to where you've at the point where you've grown so large that you have to, and yeah. then it's hard, right? So if you go into it knowing like, okay, I don't want to do this, or I'm going to stick to what I'm good at versus have it, you know, being forced to hand that baton over, like Danny had said, I think it's harder to do that once you're not, you, you haven't been willing to do it thus far, right? Yeah, I, I ended up uh, being in a lot of business conversations. And I'm like, okay, I can I can talk business. I went to school for business. I can talk business. But, like, I'd way rather talk tech, right? And so Matt came on, and Matt has a technology background, but also a business background. So Matt was kind of like the 75% business, 25 tech, and I was, like, the other way around. So we were, like, the yin and yang, right? And I was like, I want go talk business with people so i can focus on <laughs> uh on tech kind of stuff so yeah you you talk good business speak i i'm gonna go do my monkey brain speaking of stuff that's not so so you have so you have your show now do you still own all of them or did that get spot like yeah so it's a good question danny so in 2020 the cyber risk alliance um acquired security weekly and all of its assets. So all the shows, um, the, the, all the assets associated with Security Weekly um, are owned now by the Cyber Risk Alliance. Um, and so all the shows still you know, go on every week just under a, a different uh, parent umbrella. How did that? How did that feel? I know I, I just asked you about how it, get, how it felt to kind of give up and, and, yeah. and allocate to people. What was that like? That was, uh, that was emotional. Certainly, at certain junctures, like the, I remember the call when the deal was finalized. Like I was kind of emotional. I'm like, hey, "You guys own the coolest podcast network out there anymore." And I'm like, "Crap, I don't own the coolest podcast network <laughs> anymore. Someone else does." But uh, I think there was, you know, always kind of, you know, part of the progression as well. Um, the, you know, 
I, I still didn't want to focus on the business side, right? Um, and I saw writing on the wall that made it very strategic for us as Security Weekly to be part of a larger company that had more offerings, right? I mean, that was really the driving factor behind it. I'm like, I can't go sell these large enterprise companies like a couple podcasts here and there. I'm like, we're just never going to make it. I'm like, the market's going to be flooded. Turns out I was right about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there was a 500% increase from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic number of podcasts. Yeah, bad. And I said, everyone's going to start doing their own podcast. I'm like, technology has evolved now where is there's not this uh, proprietary technical wizardry that you need to create a podcast like you did way back in the day. I'm like, now it's mainstream. Anyone can go to a website and sign up for a, a SaaS account and go create a podcast. So I'm like, companies are going to do their own podcasts. And I'm like, that's going to be uh, you know rough for us business-wise. I'm like, also, to appeal to larger companies, I'm like, I, I want them to have a journey and buy a package. And I couldn't provide everything that I wanted to for them in that package, right? I want them to have brand awareness, lead generation, thought leadership, um, all in one thing. And for that, like you need a newsletter, you need a conference to sponsor, oh, so uh, you need webinars, you need like all this stuff. And I'm like, we joined a company that has all that. Right? Yeah. So I'm like, now you can sell them. Like we're just, we're part of this package that should build a journey for, uh, for this sponsor. And I mean, that was the, the vision behind being acquired. So I think, I think a lot of my predictions came true. I, I can't say that happens all the time. Um, yeah, like I told I you so. I yeah, like, but I didn't like predict the pandemic. Right? Sure, yeah. Um, but no, so, that was a catalyst. I don't think any of us yeah. would have seen yeah. <laughs> would have seen coming. But yeah. you're right. But like I, when I, I could see, like it, it gets hard. You know, it get it gets hard to to do uh, the deals we were doing were getting harder because we didn't have a whole bunch of offerings. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go build like you know three more companies basically to to do this. And the opportunity came where we could just be part of. Um, a company that had already either built or bought, you know, those, those other companies. So, and, and I remember you're right. Like having to do with back when I, it's not that long ago. I mean, if I really started getting into it when my son was born, it's about eight years ago. Cause that's where he is now, but he's also 25 in his brain, but just having to be like, Oh, you know, realizing that how people consume things differently, which I'm sure you, you also yeah. have to take into account of some people can, my favorite medium is video and it's chat, yeah. but I don't personally consume things like that. No. I am much more audiobook and podcast. And there was such a high bar to get those things in. And like, there was all these steps. And then when I came, when I finally came back to doing it here at Trimark and I was like, Oh no. Okay. I really want to do like audio and publish it. It's so easy now. Yeah. Yes. Even for me, like not even like with your uh, PP works, I, I do just on like uh, RSS.com. And it's like, yeah. not only can you upload things, but just we'll just push it to other things for you. And it's like a one click. And I said, holy shit, no wonder it's exploded, exploded yeah. like it has. And it, it's interesting. I, you know, if I, I could have chosen the path that I wanted to go build out a software company around podcast automation. Um, but I love cybersecurity and I mean, I'm a hacker at, at heart. I mean, you can probably tell by my background, like, I, Oh, we're going to get to that. I'm, I'm getting oh, yeah. there. <laughs> we fit in well together. Like, and I love this, the hacking community, the cybersecurity community. So I'm like, I would never leave. I love what I do. And I love the people, uh, that I interact with. Um, so I was like, I don't want to go build that, but 
that software is actually tuned for not so much automating like the destinations, although it does some of that, because I think you can get that in a lot of different places. It's more if you've got more than one podcast and um, you have sponsors of those podcasts. So what we ended up, uh, there was like this crossroads where we're like, well, all the information about every podcast we produce is in PBWorks. And it's mostly like from the time recording stops onwards is when we were using it. I'm like, but it has all this knowledge, even at that point. I'm like, we just need to build like a front end to it so I can go, what shows are we doing? And who's sponsoring them? And who are the hosts? And who are the guests? And when will they happen? And track all of that, you know, in the software and build a lot of automations uh, from the very beginning of when you think about doing a podcast all the way to the the end when, you know, after publishing is, is completed. So that's why PBWorks was so instrumental for us. Oftentimes, if you're just doing one show, like yeah. PB Works is overkill for you. Right. right now. And even, like I said, they make things so easy. So when you're not doing this, I remember when I first started listening to you, You it, was it uh, Taekwondo that you were doing? Yeah, I did I did Kung Fu. Yeah, oh, uh, Kung Fu. Yeah, because I remember because I did, I, I, did, I did Kung Fu too, and I'm like, oh, shit, he does it too. Yeah, and then uh, then I ended up having kids, so I have three boys. I've got one. Dude, and they're all involved with something. So, like, part of my hobby right now is soccer because my two younger ones do soccer, and they're amazing at it. And the soccer community here uh, in my town is amazing. Um, and so we spend a lot of time in soccer, even to the point where I, I'm coaching uh, his rec team soccer. And I nothing about soccer. Well, I knew nothing about soccer. I had to, like, go read the rules sure. and, like, observe my son playing hundreds of games and listen to what the coaches were telling him and kind of talked it back in my brain uh to when i've stepped on this this is like I, this is like your classic hacker thing right like i observed i listened i went and i read and i tried to become an expert like we have to do so many times in cybersecurity. You got to be an expert in that i stepped on the soccer field and people were like wait how did you how did you know that i thought you never played soccer i like, figured it out i didn't i think i'm figuring it out i mean i'm not the best of the you know soccer coaching or rules but i'm hacking my way through it right yeah and i've often said that too like when when you know you definitely will get the question from somebody somewhere saying if you weren't doing this what else would you do i i just this is the thing this is, this is the thing. for me too this is like this is the thing yeah i've always been enamored with computers so i started i was lucky my parents bought me an apple 2e when i was seven years old good lord and sent me to a programming class in 1980 whatever i have the certificate somewhere i don't think i hung it back up but i have the certificate from 1980 83 or whatever 84 when that a basic programming language right and i loved it right and then you know in what i call junior high which is now middle school sure i kind of got away from it i got interested in girls like most teenage boys do yeah. and then came back to uh to high school and i was like oh I can take a computer class. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And I took one of them. I'm like, I want to take the advanced computer class. And they're like, well, your math grades really stink. I'm like, yeah, but computers and math, like, this is totally different. And they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> like in the 90s, right? And I'm like, they're like, all right, well, you know, you get an A in the basic computer class and, you know, you can take the Pascal. That was the advanced programming class. So uh, I think I ended up getting A's in both. Only be, not because I'm smart, because that's what I was interested in, right? Yeah. That's that's what it it boils down to. Because I am like a a mediocre programmer at uh, at best. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I love, you know, I love, I love doing it. Uh, I couldn't, I did it full time for a little while and I was like, I don't want to be a full time programmer. Um, so yeah, this is what I, I love to do. Yeah. I get that too, where people would be like, Oh, you, you've been, you're a hacker. You do a computer. You must be really good at math. And I was like, no, I'm not. No. I once, Paul, I should fucking, I shit you not about two or three years ago. I decided. So my dad, He's like blue collar dude, but was a math genius. So the contentiousness of math time homework in my house is yeah. something I still wake up in cold sweats about. Cause he, loving father, awesome. But man, if I couldn't get a thing, it was screaming and it was the whole, so yeah. I just, I gave up. I gave up on math. So recently I tried to go back. Cause now luckily you, there are all sorts of Khan Academy. There's all these free resources yeah. that you can go. I get to about, <laughs> and I'm, it's just not, it's not hyperbole. I'm not overreaching fourth grade questions. And I start faltering. Okay, Say fourth, nothing. Fourth math, yeah. Once you get the fourth and fifth grade math, because I try and help my kids with it. No. Sometimes I'm like, I don't, you'll just, you'll never use that in the, and then I kind of like stop myself. Terrible. He just had oh. one the other day. My mine's only in th third day, third now, where he and just a different way that they do things and like use patterns. And I was like, I'm out. Uh, Daddy's oh, got to yeah, Google yeah. this later. Right. I can't do that. So what do you do? So you got soccer. You do that, right? Yeah. And and you figured it out. And for anybody, by the way, we do this. We do upload this to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So if you're not a visual person, you can't see right now. But behind Paul, uh, in his office, he has some shelves. He has a bunch of Star Wars memorabilia. He's got what looks like lightsabers back there. There's some kind of Funko back there. What is? It's my Snoop Dogg Funko. What? <laughs> oh. Yeah, my brother-in-law. That's not what I expected. He got me a Snoop Dogg Funko. Dude. That that's that's a good brother-in-law. <laughs> like how awesome is that? I love it. It's great. What's your current? Uh, what's your current? I'm just screwing around, doing things. You do any hardware, like, or is it, is it not computer related at all? Like, what are you doing to fill like your fun time? Yeah, like, not computer at all. Um, I have a lot of electric dirt bikes uh, and e-bikes, mm -hmm. and my kids ride them, so they constantly need to be fixed. I think Brandon, you were saying like, doing something hands on. Um, so I try and, uh, ride those and do the maintenance on those to kind of get out of the office. Uh, I love fishing. My dad, God rest his soul, took me fishing when I was four years old and I was hooked uh, yeah. uh, ever since. And, uh, I take my kids, uh, fishing. So I'm a big, uh, largemouth bass, uh, fisherman actually. So gets us in the, the outdoors away from, uh, computers and electronics, uh, which is nice. Um, but I've got this renewed interest in all the hardware hacking things. So I've got like raspberry pies, like I'm trying mm -hmm. to organize it all. Um, my latest thing is I got this thing running. So this is a, a hack RF and um, I haven't done much with it uh, yet. I'm at that point now where I, I need to find some projects to use it, but um, don't tell Garrett from hacker warehouse. Cause I love Garrett and I love hacker warehouse and you should totally go buy the legitimate hack RF. <laughs> But if you wanted to go to AliExpress and buy one for 150 bucks rather than four or 500, you can do that like I did. Um, and when you get it, make sure you load the SD card with all the things from the Mayhem firmware. Uh, make sure you do that because you'll get heinous errors like I did, and you'll think it's broken, but it's not, and it works completely fine. So, Hack Hacker okay. Warehouse. But speaking of Hacker Warehouse, uh, this year at DEF CON, they were in the vendor yeah. village, and I... 
And of course, Dev's every time I mention that I goon, Dev rides my ass about it. Like, oh, how many here. times I'm, did Danny mention he's a I'm goon? I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Um, I had to goon the line because we had to separate. This is how big. If you've never checked oh, yeah. out Hacker Warehouse, absolutely do that. But I had to separate the line from the rest of the vendor area and and put them to where I was in the back of the thing and say, "You're in the right line, but there's too many of you." Too many want to come, so we'd have to send them in shifts to go for exactly that thing. And also the, um, uh, what's the other little thing? The little orange thing that people are really into now. Um, flippers? Yeah. The, yeah, I, yeah, the, the uh, Flipper got, Zero. Yeah, I've got a really cool uh, Flipper Zero, actually, that uh, the guy that printed these cases, uh, I put a link to his, I don't know if it was Etsy or Tindy, uh, I put a link to it, and now he's not making them anymore. He just gives you the step files, so you can print it yourself. Um, so I've got one of my Flipper Zeros um, in one of these like cool cases, and that's a Wi-Fi dev board uh, on it that's running the um, Marauder firmware, um, which in terms of Wi-Fi hacking is it's like okay-ish in a in a pinch kind of thing. Um, but uh yeah i'm it's a flipper actually was the thing that was a catalyst to like renew mm-hmm. my like rf and hardware hacking things that i had put aside large because i was doing a lot of software like i was the sure. primary developer on uh our pp works project for over a year um so like i in my spare time i was like i need to learn how to do this esoteric thing in python or this thing in python uh so let me go learn that so now that i don't do that anymore i got a flipper and i was like oh this does all the like Wi-Fi things that you can do better with other devices. <laughs> and so, by the way, got, kudos got to the ca- whatever camera you have is a it zoomed right in on that. Thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that uh, nice. I feel like I should hold up more stuff. That's uh, an A six thousand uh, Sony camera. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I have I have uh, I have one of what is this? A Sony? I, I don't know the model, but it's the same. I use one of like the DSL are Sony mm. things that one of my previous employers that I did a podcast for bought for me and like. Never asked for back, so I'm sorry. Yeah. So much of my stuff was financed by former employers. Yeah, and so I've been... We are building out the research team. So my day job is I work for Eclipsium. uh, So we do firmware and supply chain security, and we have a research team that is absolutely amazing. My coworkers are amazing, and I'm... If you see me posting something smart about... Uh, like hardware hacking or something, it's either Larry or my coworkers that, <laughs> like, I can cheat. I is totally cheating. If I have a question, I can go ask someone that's been doing sure. it for a really long time, right? Um, I don't know where I was going with that. So, because I've got so many things that I'm working on. Oh, so we did a blog post about like how to build out your uh, like security research lab. Um, and so I started acquiring the things that I was missing. Like I did an inventory and I realized I was missing things to do some of this like hardware, uh, reverse engineering kind of stuff that I'm, we do a lot of at Eclipsium. Um, and Larry does a lot for, for his uh, job and has in the past, but you know, I want to do, uh, more of. And so, uh, I bought a lot of the things in the lab. Uh, and now we're doing a webcast, uh, like a Halloween webcast that'll be announced next week for Eclipsium. Uh, and it's basically like, it's basically practically here's how you acquire the things that I've had to acquire to build the like a basic hardware reverse engineering uh, lab. And so uh, actually research was published yesterday, which overlaps with what I'm working on that I haven't really talked about publicly. But like this is an Android TV device. Mm. 
Um, so we've been working on analyzing these and looking at um, the pre-installed malware that comes on them uh, and looking at the hardware uh, and soldering. Installed malware. I, it is. So these things come with malware, dude. So um, it's not necessarily a new thing. Sure. There's been like several rounds of it. Um, but like somewhere in the supply chain for these devices, someone's putting malware inside the Android operating system that lives on these devices. No shit. Um, I mean, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. Like, yeah, right. Like, it all they all come from China. Like, the one I was looking at earlier goes to Google.cn and does stuff. Okay, like that. Like that's that's wonky. That's so, not that's I mean, not supposed to be like that. Yeah, TLDR. Don't yeah. get these Android TV uh, boxes uh, unless you're going to tear it apart and cost money. This one, the one that I held up, this one's kind of cool. Uh, this is an X88 uh, Pro 10 uh, device. And I forget if this is AM Logic or something else, but it has uh, an SD card uh, slot reader on it. And someone figured out that you can boot it on the SD card and then install Linux on it. So there's a distribution called Armbian uh, that will actually go on this device. So I, I think once this little project uh, concludes, I'm just I'm going to put Linux on it. Just yeah. Because I can have it as a Linux box. Yeah, because you can, which is why we do anything when we're hacking anything, because right. it's possible because we can. Um so Paul, we're getting we're getting towards the end here, and I'm thankful for the time you've given us. I, I I'm again remain such a, a fan, I have such a great amount of respect for you. But at the end of our shows, we've instituted. Uh, oh, uh, Matt and Chat goes. Can it run Doom though? Uh, probably, probably. Yes. And we get. Probably. God, I'm Every so disappointed. I'm so disappointed that the orb in Vegas has yet to run Doom. I'm really like, I know, right? Even as like a promotional, like they did it themselves. Like they should at least put Doom on it. Hmm. Um. We, we, we always do this thing at, at the end, and I'm going to start with Brandon. I'll give you half a beat to think about it. We we look back on our week. We always like to end the week on a positive note. Uh, hopefully you had something positive happen in your week. If you had a highlight of your week, we'd like to hear about it. But, Brandon, let's start with you and give our guests time to consider it. Uh, how was your week, Brandon? Anything good happened to you this week? Yeah, it was. So, finally, last week was just busy as, like, all get out, trying to wrap up work and do the the webcast that we did together last week very well so, received brandon did his first webcast for us so i was very happy with him very proud of him yeah so yeah i mean i was so pleased pleased about that and so today was or this week was a little bit more of a down week so i was able to i got i was just telling danny i've got a blog post that's ready to go live for the Cybersecurity awareness month that feed we'll our publish. content machine brandon yes sir so that's that's ready to go and um just making some headway on our cloud assessment for kind of revamping a little bit that we're doing with our Azure AD and intra ID stuff. So just feeling good about the work that's going on right now. And uh, the sun just came out. So I'm happy about that. What I'm not happy about though, is that I've got a couple Android TVs that I have to go unplug after this. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Brandon's like, well, speaking of which I have some work to go do. Yeah. Um, uh, I, can, my... I can give you some tips after the, <laughs> after the show to check yes. those out by the way I, I i didn't warn you beforehand but uh we do our closing and then we'll have a little chat after we're done streaming so let's stick around for a couple minutes if you could please um sure. my week honestly no bullshit not kissing ass it's it's gonna talk to you paul uh i mean you and i have talked before we've met at schmoo a couple of times and got a chance but uh it, it is it is i i never take for granted when i get to do amazing awesome things like this because i get to do what i love to do like we had talked about i'm gonna do it here i could do this 
working in healthcare or something, but I, I do it here because of the people that have formed who I am both as a person and as a professional. And Paul has his face like, don't fucking blame me for that. I didn't do that shit. You listened to me. I didn't make you listen to us. Um, but how formed my curiosity. Uh, I had it, but it was latent. And it was people like Allison's and Larry's and Paul's on, on Paul.com that brought that out that like it was actually a thing. Now, my, one of my favorite little things that I always do that I always heard other people do. And I, was, I didn't understand it, but now I do. Like whenever I walk into a place, I am looking and saying, Oh, look, there's a security camera. What's this thing do? Why does that do that? I want to figure that out. It that shows like Paul.com and Enterprise Security Weekly and Paul Paul Security Weekly have brought that out. So my highlight is just getting to shoot the shit with you for an hour. So that's that's my oh, week. But you. now let's go to you. Did you have a particularly good week? Did you have even if you had a bad week and you just want to vent about it? Anything yeah, happened no. this week? So I'm not I, I don't solder a lot of things uh like i've had soldering irons and i do it if i i have to um and it's always like been on my list of like people give me the kits and like i never get around to soldering them uh together um and so this week i soldered a pin header on a board um and i didn't fry the board and it was better than the last time i tried to solder a pin header on so that made me happy it's it's amazing like when i because we had talked about it briefly too. Um, hacker boxes, right? Hackerboxes.com. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally going to do that, dude. Yeah. It's, and when you finally like get it, and uh, one, of, one of my other buddies, uh, last person, he sent me a very nice soldering gun, and, he, and he's also sent me like a really great, it has, it's, it's like an octopus. It has like eight clips on it, yeah. and then it has yeah. a mag. Yes. And when cool. I finally recognize, like, oh, that's how I do that thing. It recharges yeah. all of the rage you felt for the past three hours because you couldn't do the goddamn thing. Um, but no, that's awesome, man. So, uh, yeah, dude, Paul, again, uh, just stick around for a couple more minutes after we get off of here. For everybody else, uh, whether you listened live or you're now re-listening back, I looked at some of our numbers on Spotify. Shocked the hell out of me. Like, a lot of people do listen to the podcast, and we thank you for that. This is going to be up very shortly. I'm going to make sure to get this one up right away. Um but for all of our other stuff, because if you are listening on uh, Apple or Spotify uh, or uh, Google Podcast, you can't see the URLs we have up. We've got research. We've got blogs. We've got a whole, whole bunch of content. It is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It is hub.trimarksecurity.com. As always, you can follow us and all of the conferences that we're sponsoring, including Wild West Hacking Fest, Deadwood, South Dakota, next week starting on Wednesday for pre-training, and then the con is Thursday and Friday. You can find out about all of that, all of our assessments for uh, Azure AD, Active Directory, and VMware. We do all of that stuff uh, at TrimarkSecurity.com. And you might want to wander over to TrimarkVision.com. I don't know. Just a thought. Might be a product launch coming. There's definitely a product launch coming in January. So check all that out. We thank you. Thank you again, Paul. Thank you, Brandon, my esteemed host, as always. And we will see everybody uh, next week. And I'm going to take us out. We did Yacht Rock, and now we're going to do some EDM. Blaster Jacks and Timmy Trumpet are two of my favorites. We're going to do that, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks, guys. See ya. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, there's really not a hot mic opportunity right now. It's usually hot mics because Dev won't shut up.
I can tell. I can. I can hop mic for you real quick because you forgot to mention how we stream live on YouTube too, which you just found out about by accident two weeks ago. I forgot I set it up. <laughs> I forgot I set up YouTube to stream live at the same time that we do this. So there's a whole bunch of unedited episodes on YouTube right now. Yeah. So if you're one of the three people that are watching on YouTube right now, uh, sorry about about that. We try. I forgot. Nobody engages them. And I've, I've failed. All right, Paul, I've learned nothing from listening to you, apparently.